It felt like my head was spinning, and the words Mary spoke were just confetti in the wind. I need an exit plan. I used to walk through life much like you do now. I saw the sky was blue, and I knew it was due to the refractive qualities of our atmosphere. I saw the plants were green, because they were full of chlorophyll, which absorbs red and blue light to make energy, and I knew that people were people. I had a crap storm about six months ago that washed all those foolish delusions from me. Now I see the sky and wonder if refractive index is a real thing. Or it's just one explanation for that observation. The only thing I know for sure is that I don't really understand what's going on. But that isn't even the best of it. So I now live in a world, thanks to being shilp... No, I correct that. That didn't make me do anything. I mean, it was all me. But being shilper, they just taught me how to see the truth. But anyway, look, the world I live in is nonetheless richer and more frightening. For example, this world I live in has a secret room of death in the basement of Tanya McCulloch Children's Hospital and an ancient order of, for lack of a better term, sorcerers who are somehow aligned with the Catholic Church. And as a mysterious group of people uh, who may be not formally a group, but anyway, called the Hunters. So how do I deal with this? Well, I made exit plan which is now just me. Anyway, look, the past few days have been quite eventful. As always throughout, I recorded my journal, so I think I'll just play it back in the order I experience things. Hi, uh, well, I'm off to meet Sasha, where... Are you talking to me? Uh, no, Mary, just starting my journal for the evening. Okay. Uh, so, um, okay. Uh, we're meeting outside the rock room after her shift, and then hitting an Argentinian restaurant here in Northbridge. It's sort of between the office and the rock room, so not too far to walk. I haven't felt this excited in months. Not since B. But, well, I'll, I'll have to start staking out uh, Maria Anthony in a few days. We've got some good target times days that seem to be when B or someone like her is going in or walking past. But that thought is for future me. Present me is all about tonight. So, final checklist. Telescoping baton. Check. Brass knuckles. Though they're actually silver-studded steel. Check. Stab-proof light impact vest. Check. I don't take many chances these days. I feel a little paranoid. There's a few things I've been remembering, and they give me the heebie-jeebies. Let me enumerate them since I've got a couple of minutes. One. When I went to reclaim my books, you know the ones, I'm pretty sure someone was in the collector's house, and they made the house explode. I thought the books were gone forever, but little did I know, someone, probably someone else, had delivered them to my door. I never found out who or why. Two. The very first monster I witnessed, the Maroi, was hunted and killed by a person 
I assume a man, but really I just don't know. Like this person was heavily covered head to toe. With uh, They didn't have a single bit of skin showing. I mean, who was that? Did they know I'd followed? Okay, three. Shilpa was going to kill me in front of what she termed stakeholders, who, as far as I know, were watching on the IP cameras. They saw me defeat her. I just don't know if there'll be a reprisal for that or a reward. Four. Beatrice. B. Is still at large, and I'm pretty sure she has Heidi or knows where she is. B had told me she was working to free herself from a demon, not a figurative inner demon, though I think she has those too, but rather a literal from hell variety of demon. I know nothing of demons, though having read my books from cover to cover, I have some idea of what they might be capable of. Number five. The gnomes in Redfern were just weird. That beautiful one that John kissed could only be described as a handsome prince. Oh, or queen, as the case may be. What is the deal with that? I mean, those gnomes, fairies, whatever, are tricksy folk at the best of times. And there are plenty of folk tales about how they charm people or pretend to be someone else and so on. Number six, because apparently I need six reasons to be paranoid. The creature haunting the Imperial Iron Mining Camp was a vampire thrall. They only get created by vampires and only serve the one that created them. The best I've been able to come up with is some sort of Scooby-Doo mystery plot, which might well be true, but what of the vampire? David Geldstein in his book Lost Denizens of the Old World talks about Dracula-style vampires as opposed to Maroi, and he says they are wise, intelligent, scheming, and they play long games. Their view extends to the centuries, so their strategies tend to likewise take a while to unfold. That didn't sit right with me. The idea that a Dracula would just send a thrall off to frighten Imperial Iron into selling their steak cheap. I can't help but think we were what the vampire was looking for. Or, or was it or was it that we were just accidentally drawn into that trap? Yeah. I don't know if there are any more points, but six seems a good number. It's good enough to warrant wearing armour all the time and carrying at least one weapon. You're still here. I thought you left already. Uh, just finishing a little recording before I go. Uh, which I'm doing now. Uh, so, well, I'm off. So, that was my quick laundry list of reasons to be paranoid. It turns out, I do have reasons to be paranoid. I mean, what is it they say? Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you? And I met Sasha at the rock room. She looked strong. She climbs most days. She's a cycle courier on the others and a health and fitness blogger in the evenings. She's a little shorter than me and narrow athletic frame. Not much in the way of hips, but her body is just so lean and strong that she sort of gives off this healthy vigor. I could almost feel her vitality radiating off her like heat. There's something about a physically strong woman that I really appreciate. But I'm probably bordering on excessive description at this point, uh, so I'll stop the cringeworthiness and get back on point. So I met her at the rock room. She was plainly dressed in jeans and t-shirt. 
The night was unseasonably warm, and so I was feeling a little hot with my jacket over my armour. I mean, it's fashionable armour, but still, it's a bit hot. I recorded this next bit just after dinner, and after we'd sat and talked in a bar. I was walking her home, well, to her bike at the rock room. I'm going to start narrating our walk. Uh, it's for my journal. I hope you don't mind. I was wondering about that. You were doing it the other day too. What's the deal? Uh, yeah, I started an audio journal the best part of a year ago, maybe ten months. Initially it was for personal monitoring. It was a way for me to get my thoughts out, but now I think about it, it may have been because I didn't think I had anyone to talk to, so I talked to myself. That was initially. And now? Now, now I'm used to it, and I use it to keep track of reality. Ah, yeah, well, that sounds crazy. I mean, things happen, and when you try to remember them, your memories often glaze over or ignore stuff. I do it for the same reason some people take heaps of photos all the time. It just centers me in reality, and and I edit them and post them online too, because I think it helps some people to get to grips on their own lives. That does sound odd, but I've seen Stranger. What? Ah, it's just a cat. Ha! So, almost certainly not a cat. It's a stalking murderer ready to pounce. Why would you say that? Did you see it? I did see it. What is it? Are you serious? Did you really see it? Um, yeah. Well, what is it? You'd be surprised at things I've seen, so I doubt you've got any surprises for me. Let's get moving. It probably was just a cat. Just as a note, I didn't see anything. I was just joking about the murder, but uh, now I wonder. Hey, are you alright? Did you want me to call a taxi or something? I'd offer you a lift, but I'm over the limit. We could go back to my office and hang for a couple of hours until I sober up enough to drive you. Yeah, yeah, I don't like riding at night anyway. It's too dangerous. Okay, this office is pretty secure. We are a security consultancy after all. Yeah, so what sort of security do you do? You don't look like a bouncer. So far we've taken jobs for large corporations to investigate and secure sites. Imperial Iron recently had us up to a camp to help them, uh, well, secure it. From what? A worker and a security consultant, not one of ours, were attacked. We investigated and apprehended the attacker. I'm under a bit of an NDA, so I can't talk much about it. What is it you thought was out there tonight? I don't really know. I'm pretty sure I'm being followed or stalked. I haven't... Well, I mean, stuff like tonight has happened the last few weeks. A couple of nights ago I thought I saw someone at my bedroom window. That's pretty serious. (laughs) I'm in an apartment on the third floor, so you're right. It's pretty serious. It isn't like... Someone could just walk up and have a look in. You keep pausing before saying, someone. You don't think it's a person, do you? Why don't you tell me about what you think it is? Because I want it to be a someone, not a something, okay? The reason the police weren't involved at the mine site was because the security consultant was beaten, drowned and chewed on. There are no large predators around there. No crocodiles, no packs of wild dogs. 
none were able to do what was done. So exit plan security deals with the situations where people have questions they don't really want answered. And I mean that in a very primal and visceral way, not in a wise guy's corrupt kind of way. There's a reason I'm wearing armour and carrying these silver and steel beauties with me. You're wearing armour? Mm-hmm, yeah. So what did you see back in the alley? Nothing. I thought I was being funny. And when you took it seriously, I wanted to find out how seriously you took it. I now know. What do I do? I can't afford to hire exit plan. Well, at the moment I don't have a job. And also exit plan at this point is pretty much just me. I figure I'll subcontract when I get another job. But in the meantime, I could help you. I'm always looking for ways to improve my education. They don't really teach you about Rougarou, Maroi and Zane at security school. So when did this start? Where did you learn about... What were they? Rougarou, Maroi and Zane? Oh, I came across these books. I keep them in here. Uh, what... What is this? Check your Dropbox. Your books aren't there. Just a note that tells me to check my Dropbox. I think it was written by Mary. She's our administrator. See what I mean about being paranoid? I've made a target of myself. I think that knowing about the realities of the world is unusual enough that you kind of stick out and become a curiosity to investigate. Mind you, I'm not exactly keeping this super secret, what with publishing everything as a podcast and all, but I do believe in the end it will protect me more than harm me, and I also believe I'll end up helping at least one person. Anyway, the books are gone. I kept them in the office in a sturdy cupboard. I figured I didn't want them at home because I didn't want my home to explode like the collector's house where I had tried to get rid of the books. I also didn't see much point in locking them in a safe. The only people, or things, that would want those books would have no trouble with a safe. The note I found was written by Mary. She left me a journal in the Dropbox for the podcast. I told her to start an audio journal of anything she felt might be important, any information of value, that sort of thing. Well, here it is. I'm sorry. I have to take the books. They contain knowledge sacred to the order of the blooming tree, and they contain knowledge that can't be allowed to fall into the wrong hands. I've been listening to your podcast, so I know your intentions are pure and your motives are good, but as you witnessed with social priming, there are consequences to magic use. One of the books contains very powerful magic indeed, the elemental binding. And if someone were to try that and fail, it could be disastrous. By the time you're listening to this, I'll have burnt them and spread the ashes. Again, I'm sorry. Suffice it to say, you won't see me again. Goodbye, and good luck. Yeah, good luck. I totally get her opinion and understand why she did it. I think it was the wrong action to take. But I understand why she did it, and I don't really hold a grudge against her. I've tried finding out what I can about the Order of the Blooming Tree, but there isn't a lot available on the internet. I'm pretty sure it is a Catholic order. I found an image of a tree covered in flowers on the package the books were delivered in after I thought I'd lost them the first time. When I looked for that image online, 
I found mention that it was associated with an order, but not any specifics. So I'm guessing the flowering tree symbol is the symbol of the order of the blooming tree. And one of the books is called something like Esoteric Mysteries of the Floriborologist, which sounds a lot like some Latin mangle of flower and tree, flora and arbor. Put one and one together and you get two. So I had sacred knowledge and dangerous secrets. I knew that, and I guess that messing up an elemental binding would be bad. I listened to that recording with Sasha. I think that was all it was needed for her to know I was serious. So now you know about the ancient order of sorcerers running about acting as zealous librarians. Next, you'll learn about the secret death room in the hospital. That's as opposed to the common knowledge death room, i.e. the morgue. Okay, to recap. Sasha, you are being stalked by something that you're sure you've seen out your bedroom window on the third floor of an apartment block, and we may have heard it following you tonight. Something I've learned is that monsters usually aren't just monsters. Well, Ruguru and Maroi are, but... Even Draculas have motives other than terrorism. Draculas? Yeah, it's what I colloquially call blood-drinking vampires, you know, akin to the Dracula story. There are a number of creatures that might be described as vampire, so I need a way to pick out this one kind. You see, generally monsters are in part spiritual beings that have an essential nature and thus a gender. The gnomes, or elves, also known as Zane, that are bedeviling a development in Redfern in Sydney weren't just being mischievous. They were attempting to achieve a goal. I'm not sure what the goal was, but it had to do with concepts that border on our own knowledge of the world, but run in parallel. I mean, for lack of a better term, that is a spiritual imperative that drove them to their action. So I'm haunted by elves? Uh, yeah, probably not. No, what I'm saying is that whatever is stalking you has an agenda. It's got a goal that it's striving for. It may even be driven to it. If it was simply a desire to kill, they'd have done it. So, for some reason, they've tracked you down and now they're watching you. It could be because you've done something that has upset a balance, or because you match a certain archetype, or even because you're related to someone else that has a relationship with this being. What... what was it doing at your window? I didn't see it very well. I woke up and looked at my window, and at first I didn't see anything, and I wondered why I was looking so intently at the window... Slowly I began to make out a shape in the dark where there shouldn't be one. It was like a hunched person, crouching outside, pushing their face up close to the glass to see in. It wasn't a person, though. Even granted that a person had used a cherry picker or large ladder to climb up to the right height, the face was the wrong shape. It was dark, the skin of the face. I couldn't tell if it was actually a shade of grey or black, or if it was a deep blue or red. It just wasn't enough light, but it wasn't white. The eyes were big like an owl, and they didn't blink. It didn't seem to have a nose, or maybe the nose was flat and small, like just a couple of slits. But when it realised I could see it, it dropped out of view, and I could see it had long, craggy hair like a troll doll. It didn't move right, like when it dropped away, the hair was up, and the thing moved down, the hair dropped. It was the reverse of what it should have done. Have you done something most people don't do? Have you been somewhere unusual? Do you have something you shouldn't have? What about your family history? Has anyone in your family been involved in anything that might be relevant? 
Um, what is it? You thought of something. <laughs> Sasha, what can I say about her? She could be my soul sister. But the longer I live, the more I realise I don't know. It's easy to go through life thinking that you're somehow unique and special and there's never been anyone like you. But you'd be wrong. In a sense, you'd be right, of course. Literally speaking, you are unique and all that. But let's move on from the pedantry and go to the epiphany. I grew up with relative ease. I had some troubles here and there and I thought they were big at the time. But then I met other people and heard their stories and it made mine look a look a little like, I know, gum-dropping candy land. And I was full of myself. That's probably because, well, I'm more intelligent than the average punter, which, I mean, that means that I piece disparate bits of information together faster and apply them to abstract concepts, able to synthesize new knowledge better than many. I mean, it's put me in situations where I couldn't understand why other people just didn't get things as easily as me. And so naturally, I let my ego build. It got to the point that when I came across esoteric knowledge, that's the books I bought, I was big-headed enough to think I could just dive in and do whatever I wanted. I didn't bother taking the time to consider the possible downsides. Nor did I consider there could be unforeseeable downsides. And my adventures in magic led me to a near-fatal encounter with a Rakshasa and I endangered my only real friends. I've since settled my ego down a little. I mean, not completely, as you can plainly hear, what with the way I humbly talk about how intelligent I am. Look, Anyway, and I'm just digging a deeper hole, I think. So, back to Sasha. She spilled her life story to me, and I swear, she could have been my sister. She had it relatively easy, not as in she was from a rich family, But rather, her parents were there for her. They didn't push her too hard, and they didn't ignore her. She did well enough at school to get where she wanted to be, and when she had the opportunity, she went abroad. That's where she let her ego talk her into a situation she shouldn't have got involved in. I'll I'll let her tell it. I was 22. I'd just finished up a year of working as a real estate agent after uni. I'd made some good commissions, so I took the next year off. Like all good Aussies, I booked a round-the-world ticket. I stopped in Bali for a week, up to Laos and Vietnam, Thailand, then Greece and Hungary and Croatia, then to Italy and into Germany. In Germany, I got into the rave scene that was big in East Berlin at the time. They'd take over an old factory shell or warehouse and glam it up with glow-in-the-dark paint and stick black lights everywhere. Everyone would wear zinc cream and different patterns on their face and arms so it would glow under the black lights. It was a total dreamscape. It was at one of those raves where I went hunting for some E. I followed a dealer out to the back alley where these transactions would take place. The organisers didn't want drugs dealt or carried on the premises, and we all wanted the show to go on, so we obliged. Deals were done outside and pills were popped before coming back in. Police would occasionally visit with sniffer dogs, and just about no one got caught, at least not inside the venue. I followed this guy out, but I had to wait because he went off to talk to this other woman. She seemed a little bit old to be in the rave scene, but she was dressed pretty whack, so I just assumed she was part of the scene anyway. 
the dealer must have done something wrong because the woman he was talking to started shouting at him and shoved him. Then she pulled a knife. I thought she was going to cut him, but she cut her own finger, sucked a bit of blood into her mouth and spat it at him. Well, the only way I could describe it is that she cursed him, like waved her hands at him and said some stuff I couldn't quite hear. The dealer just looked at her like she was nuts and he did that thing where you look down at something spilled on you and sort of shake your hands, not wanting to actually touch the stuff but wanting to brush it off anyway. He then turned to walk away and the woman said one last thing to him, like she said goodbye or good luck or something. Well, he took two steps when a cat broke cover from an alcove and darted in front of him. He stumbled, trying not to step on the cat, and he rolled his ankle and landed in some mud. woman laughed, and I clearly saw her raise a finger and say, That's one. You've got two more. Well, the dealer picked himself up and left in a hurry. He stepped out of the lane and more or less right into a pair of police officers and their drug dog, which started barking and pawing at the dealer's pockets. He was carted away, and the woman who came up to stand beside me at that stage said, That's two. One left, and considering he's going to jail, I bet it will be a big one. I was freaked and amazed at the same time. My mind wasn't processing what had happened and what the implications were. I just asked if she'd teach me what she'd done. I was in for the full immersion experience in Europe, and that included getting involved in crazy witchcraft and other madness. That's what it was. I didn't really truly believe it. It was a bit of a game, an exciting education in old Germanic folklore. Anyway, nothing came of it at the time. I moved on from Germany to the UK where I hooked up with some modern druids to continue the ancient connection I'd made. Then I landed in the US where I at one point fell in with an old Cajun woman who was supposed to be a swamp witch. Really, she just made damn good gumbo and spoke with such a heavy accent it was almost impossible to understand her. But she was kind and generous. She spoke to me of an old demon that haunted the slaves of a plantation not too far from where she lived. She claimed her great-great-grandmother was a slave there and this demon had possessed not only the owner, but some of the slaves too. I always thought demons possessed a single person, but she claimed a demon was not a contained being like a person and could exist in many places at once. So I finally came home after my year-long adventure abroad. It was about six months ago that I broke up with my girlfriend. She was the first girlfriend I'd had and probably my last. It was a bad breakup, and I think it was inevitable because it was a bad relationship to start with. I got very upset with her, and so I cut my finger and spat blood at her. I cursed her like the woman did to the dealer, and she left. She stormed out. I saw her drop her wallet out of her pocket as she left, but she was in such a state she didn't notice. I remember thinking to myself, that's one. Two more. The next bit of bad luck happened just a day later. I was going to the rock room for a session. When I got there, an ambulance was being loaded and I saw she was the patient. There was two. One left. She'd fallen in the pulley that the... She'd fallen, and the pulley that the belaying rope ran through pulled from the wall, letting her fall. She was caught by the mats at the bottom, but she still broke her leg. I was still feeling bitter about the whole deal, so the enormity of what I'd done hadn't sunk in. You see... The curse strikes three times, three incidents of bad luck, each worse than the last. My ex had lost a wallet with a lot of cash in it that she was going to use to buy a new computer she needed for university, and then she broke her leg. She was carted off to Tanya McCullough emergency rooms. They're not just a children's hospital, they also do emergency and surgery too. I heard about the third incident the next day from a mutual friend. 
my ex had her leg put in a cast and was being picked up by her mum. They were only just pulling out of the hospital car park when they were hit by a car. They both survived, thank God, but it was bad. I think the only reason they made it was because the accident happened at the hospital, so they were taken straight in. I don't see it as coincidence that Sasha cast a black magic curse on her ex, and then shortly after, she's been stalked by something inhuman. If I had my books, I'd have started looking in them. I have read them all, cover to cover, so I do remember a lot. Unfortunately, they don't cover anything in Australia. There are spirit entities in America and Europe that will hunt down wicked people or people who have consorted with darkness. I wouldn't put it past Australia to have its own version or... One of those creatures could have travelled here. Ideally, I'd love to have some expert on Aboriginal monsters and spirits I could talk with. Unfortunately, I don't know how to go about that without looking like a crazy person or or without being, you know, a, a bit offensive and intrusive. I don't even know the etiquette to use to approach someone about this. We stayed in the office talking over possibilities and came on two that seemed reasonable and actionable. Either the stalker witnessed the curse happen, or it came upon the results of the curse and recognised them. There was a third option we toyed with, that the creature was just able to detect when black magic was used and was drawn to her. But we dismissed that as unlikely because then every black magician would be stalked and killed, right? Or, Or whatever this thing wants to do. It seems that was the case. The number of black magic users would either drop to non-existence or they would all develop defences against this and Sasha would likely have been told about it. So, of the two remaining ideas, we also discarded as unlikely the amazing coincidence that the creature just happened to be watching when the curse was made. We would come back to that if the other option didn't pan out. So we were left with the idea that this creature, I've since notionally identified it as a Mokoi, came across the effect of the curse and tracked it back. That would explain the time gap between the curse and when the creature was first noticed. Oh, um, McCoy. Not like from Star Trek, McCoy, as in a Scottish name, but Mokoy. I mean, what is that? And why do I think it is our, and I use this term loosely, man? Now, after deciding the most likely place the curse trail would have been picked up was the hospital, I did the only research left to me. I googled. There's a fair amount of detail on the net if you look hard enough. When I cross-referenced it with my books, I found a number of inaccuracies, but they haven't been that big. It's more often overlooked or missing information rather than outright wrong. But there is a creature in Australian Aboriginal folklore or so the uh, Wikipedia would tell me, that stalks and hunts black magicians. The hospital is relevant in this too, as this same creature, the McCoy, for some reason, steals and eats children. Tanya McCulloch is primarily a children's hospital. As gruesome as it is, it would be an excellent spot for such a creature to... live? So that's what we worked on.
We're in the main foyer of the hospital. There are people sitting, uh, waiting in chairs, others are coming and going. There's a couple of, oh, they're probably not nurses, they're, they're probably admin staff, sitting behind a large counter answering queries and directing people. Kind of as ordinary as heck. I feel a little out of place. Yeah, I've got a bit more armour on now under a zipped up jacket. I've got armoured gloves in my pockets ready to go and my leg armour is a bit conspicuous, but here's a trick. I've brought a motorcycle helmet that I'm carrying. With luck, people will just assume I'm wearing bike gear. So instead of being a bit creepy and weird, I'm transformed into a sensible and responsible person. Our minds are funny like that. It's how half a magic is performed. But the real trick is that I've used a true sight potion. It's a recipe I had written down out of one of my books. I've never used it before, but I think it's working. I'm noticing all sorts of little details that I'm sure I would otherwise have missed. You're doing your journal? Uh, oh yeah, sorry, I, I probably could have warned you. Uh, I tend to record on my phone so it looks like I'm talking to someone. I mean, otherwise, I think it would probably be a bit weird. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you see that guy over there? It looks like he's engrossed in his phone. He's actually pretending to look at it, so he can sneak glances past his phone at the woman over there. I think he fancies her and wants to talk to her, but he doesn't know how. How do you know that? Is that the potion? I can only imagine so. Wow. And there are other things too, like uh, that kid over there with his mum. He's got something stashed in his pocket that he doesn't want his mum to know about. And that guy over there, he's wearing a toupee. Oh, it's pretty convincing, but it's, yeah, it's fake anyway. The potion seems pretty good. Shame it's so gross. Yeah, the fly's eyes were just the cherry on the cake. It isn't as if I could remove the eyes from the fly. I mean, do I really need so many? So, we're here. What do we do? How do we track this thing, this mokoi? Oh, I figure we need to go through the kids' ward and see if I can spot anything wrong. If that turns up empty, uh, we'll have to think more about it. I'll buy a big teddy to carry around. I feel a little out of place just walking around a children's hospital without a present for a kid. We walked around that children's ward for ages. I went back and forward, sticking our heads in at each room. It was good Sasha got that teddy. I let us blend in perfectly with the other people wandering around the halls. They were all carrying gifts of one sort or another. But we saw nothing. Of course, that wasn't too surprising when we stopped and actually thought about it some more. The Mokoi eats children, but it, I mean, it couldn't just pop in and have a munch without being discovered. I mean, not here. Besides, it wouldn't have to. There's a surgery and oncology ward here too. Children die in the hospital every week. I don't know the actual statistics, but it's a big hospital and there are plenty of kids brought in and not as many leave. I couldn't tell you if the McCoy sabotaged surgery or spiked medicine or something to keep up its supply, or he was just patient and took what he could get naturally. We did a little research and found most hospitals keep their mortuary in the basement because it keeps it out of the way of the people who need to get about quickly, like to surgery and to save their life, and stops patients from stumbling into dead bodies. Mortuaries are also not accessible to the general public without appropriate papers, which we didn't have. As luck would have it, one of the rooms we were standing in front of while looking up info on our phones was being cleaned. Someone who has access to the basement is the cleaner. 
This cleaner was simply not very security conscious, because he left his ID and swipe card on his trolley while he went into the room to get the garbage. Being the delinquent I am, I nicked his card but left his ID and keys. He wouldn't notice anything was gone until he tried to go back to the service areas, and from the looks of it, that would be a while yet. Uh, so these are obviously the service halls. Uh, it's a bit small for primary usage. Uh, you wouldn't be able to wheel a gurney down here. Let's check some of these doors for access to the main hall. I don't know. Wouldn't we get escorted out if we got caught in the main halls? Sure, but hopefully there'll be some signage or directions so we know where to go. This hospital's huge. These basements are like a maze. Oh, wait, what's that? What? That hall there, I... I saw something move down there. What hall? That one. Oh, I just thought that was an alcove. Why'd I think that? Seriously? You thought it was an alcove or what is obviously a crossing section? Well, not now. I just wasn't really paying attention. Ah, oh, that's sneaky. You think this is it? Well, it must be. I think I saw the McCoy down there, too. Yeah, it could have been something else like a cat, but I don't see many cats hanging around down here. I'll leave my helmet here. You should drop the bear here, too. Uh, we won't need our disguises. Here. Hold my phone. It's... it's still recording. I have to get my gloves on. Okay. Let's kick some butt. Oh, crap. We're going down there now? You'd rather wait at home wondering when this thing's going to break in and consume you. I just didn't... I don't know. It's a lot. Oh, tell me about it. You should hear me cracking my dax in season one. I got clawed by a ghoul and bashed by a rakshasa. I can tell you the anticipation and fear leading up to that is far worse. When things start happening, you get hit with adrenaline and all sorts of helpful hormones. And things just happen. Just keep breathing in at an even pace. Really concentrate on it, or you'll peak too soon and freak out. You sound like a professional. Well, I guess you are. Ha, <laughs> I don't feel like it. I took some training courses on dealing with emergency situations and confrontations. The armour helps with the confidence. My friend survived being mauled by a vampire thrall, thanks to the suit of this stuff. I hope you missed that, uh, vampire thrall up. Oh yeah, sure, but it was mostly John. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that machine. You can tell me about that later. Let's do this. I'll stay behind you and help you where I can. Ah, uh, this could get pretty crazy. I may sound like I'm an old hand at this, but seriously, we will run like buggery if things go south. I have no clue what to expect. For all I know, this thing shoots lightning out its eyes and has the strength of a mama bear defending our cubs. When I say run, just run like the clappers. Just follow the exit signs because I'll be doing the same thing and the Mokoi might well be right behind us. Is that why you called exit plan? Yeah, in part. A door. Now, keep an eye out. Have we passed any doors yet? You're the one with the true sight. I haven't seen any. But it doesn't smell good down here. Yeah, I noticed. It smells... Well, let's just not talk about what it smells like, okay? Keep a close watch on our backs. 
This thing knows these tunnels much better than us and will know how to lead us into a trap. It could just be hoping to hide. I think it's more like a crocodile, an ambush predator. Crocs will lie very still in murky water with their eyes just barely breaking the surface. Then, when something comes down to drink, bam, it's all over. Crap. That <laughs> sounds crap. Ah, oh, sorry. How many doors do you see? What? How many doors? Just the two at the end. Maybe access to machinery, like lift motors or heating or something? What about this one here? Oh, yes. How did I miss? It knows we're down here, so creeping in probably won't help. I want to burst in, but I need you to open the door because my hands are full. Is that a taser? Will that work? In my experience, monsters are still physical in nature and even if they have some kind of magical component to them. Pass 50,000 volts through them and yeah, they'll know about it. I don't think that it will actually put it down, but even a momentary stun will give me a chance to knock it out. Okay. On three. Ready. One. Two. Three. Oh! I can't see a damn thing. Is there a light switch? Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, God. Is it dead? Hold on. What? Silver-edged, cold-wrought iron with an oak sheathing. Covers off many popular killing methods. Now, I think it's dead. So, let's do a quick checklist. 1. Ancient Order of Catholic Sorcerers. Check. Mary. I should have been included in by the name. She burnt my books like a good fundamentalist. 2. Secret Basement Room of Death in the Hospital. Check. And three. The Hunters? Actually, I don't have any more on them, but let's see where things go to from here. So, the Mokoi sort of dissolved into a black and red mist and was just disappeared. We didn't go back in the room. It, oh, it defies description by a sane mind. My memories of it are already blurring and I'm happy for that to happen. The Mokoi ate children. I'm going to leave it at that. I also doubt I've actually killed it for good, but if it behaves anything like other similar creatures, then it'll be another generation or a thousand years or, I don't know, some other long period of time before it turns up again. I think it's high time to catch up with B again. I think think a day to a cafe would be nice. I've looked everywhere in the office and there is no sign of my books. I didn't expect to find them, of course. Mary did say by the time I listened to her journal they'd be burned. I was just hoping it... I was hoping it wasn't true. When a wise woman once told me that hope is no strategy. And to build a plan, you need strategy. So hope equals no strategy, no plan, it's just hope. 
I don't think it's quite fair that the Floroboros would keep their knowledge close to their chest. People could really be helped by knowing some of what's in those books. I understand I understand the desire for caution I mean, with elemental binding, but I mean, even that could be great boon to humanity. No, I'm not necessarily summoning and binding elementals, but the knowledge that such things exist and can be bound. Where would that knowledge take us? Abundant energy? I think that one thing alone would bring an end to so much suffering and stop so many wars. I would have to be worth it. No doubt every evil warlock throughout history has had the exact same grand ideas of helping the world and has ended up, well, you know, as an evil warlock instead of the world's saviour. So perhaps there's yet more I don't understand. How do I become a Floroborist? So I can legitimately learn this stuff. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The video analysis of the cafe has been running for nearly three weeks now, and thanks to artificial intelligence, I've narrowed the target days down to Thursday afternoon at 2pm and Saturday morning at 8.30am. The same tall blonde woman has entered or walked past Maria Antony the last three Thursdays and Saturdays. I can't be 100%, but if it isn't B, then it is another statuesque blonde who carries herself with such grace. That might be the reason enough to hang out there anyway, actually. But I'd look seriously. I think Thursday afternoon is a time, because though she carries herself gracefully, B occasionally seemed to limp. Or maybe you might call it, she sort of drags her left foot in an oddly awkward way. And I wonder if she suffered nerve damage or something at some point. It's 1.45 and I'm at Anthony Maria. It's a fairly standard looking chain cafe, trying its hardest to not look like a chain cafe. You can tell the carefully considered design features, uh, you know, made of cheap materials and look, I don't know, it looks staged. I think a real one-off mum and dad cafe wouldn't have this sort of cookie cutter mould look. Carefully chosen colour palettes, something trying to be designer furniture, but just not. So anyway, the last three Thursdays, B has been coming in here at two, or within a couple of minutes of that. Ah, thanks. I'll be recording again at two. In the meantime, I'm just going to try and enjoy a coffee. Oh, holy crap. It is B. Okay, she's seen me and she's coming over. Uh, you look cautious, B. Are uh, you worried about something? I was wondering how long I'd have to keep coming back here before you waited for me. Is it just you? You knew it would just be me. Oh, sit down. I think we need to talk. I'm surprised. I was expecting vitriol and venom. I didn't exactly leave you under the best circumstances. You left me and my friends to get torn up by Rakshasa. And that hasn't embittered you toward me. What do I have to do to get a rise out of you? I've had time to think, and I took the time to listen back to myself. Yeah, I'm recording this too. I... I don't hate you, and I... I think you actually need my help. I think you'll find 
I need nothing from you or anyone else for that matter. My motives are my own and I am fully capable of carrying out my agenda on my own. Okay, where's Heidi? She's with an associate of mine. She's leveraged to get you to do what I want. I'm not going to do what you want, Bea. I'll do what you need. I know you're not hunting the demon. You're his pawn. You hate it. You don't understand demons in the slightest. And you sure don't understand Megardiel. Did you know their prime purpose is to breed? Demons are living things and they seek to reproduce like all living things. Buddha was right. There are no demons but those we conjure for ourselves. That's how they breed. Through us and our belief, fear and anger. You can either be one of the ones in fear and a victim of anger, or you can be one of the ones to cause it. Did your books have anything to say on the matter? The floribarologists took my books and burnt them. If you're still trying to get them, they're ash now. One of your new recruits? <laughs> yeah. Her name was even Mary Constance. Well, that sounds like a Catholic nun's name. She told you she was a floribarologist. She recorded a journal entry for me, and she... She and the books are gone. Do you think you can get in contact with her again? How do I get Heidi back? She should be free. You aren't leaving here until you tell me. <laughs> you aren't in a position to stop me if I choose to leave. B, this needn't turn into a contest. I've got nothing of value for you to leverage from me. Hell, I want to help you. Back then, I said I'd help you track down and defeat the demon. That offer still stands. Interesting. I think you might be able to help me after all. You need to get a taste of what you're up against, I think. I will tell you where Heidi is and how you can get to her. Yes, it's a trap. Magardiel is guarding her, but if you defeat her, she'll be all yours. Do you think she'll appreciate it? Now you're working hard to get me riled. I can help. I can help Heidi and I can help you. Tell me where she is, where my guardian is, and I'll take care of it. Will you be there? Of course I'll be there. How will I betray you if I'm not? I don't think you betrayed me. You did what you thought you had to. I didn't understand everything going on, and I still don't. But I know that people don't betray for the sake of betrayal. See, you don't know demons, do you? Where is she? First, you have to promise me something. What? Take this and keep it on you. Wear it around your neck with a crystal against your skin, near your heart. What? Isn't that the necklace that contained the demon originally? It is. But you say you want Heidi, and you say you want to help me. Then promise me you'll do as I ask. Okay, where's Heidi? Hospital. Why? Which one? Why? Sisters of Mercy Private Hospital in Fremantle. She's been in a coma, and she'll wake up tonight at 8pm, just at the end of visiting hours. Why is she there? Room J45. You need to be there when she wakes and wear that necklace. And what the absolute? What the hell is that about? I feel so bloody... There's a tight, clenching feeling in the centre of my chest and my head... I don't know. Swimming. Heidi has been lying in a hospital in a coma for the past, what, six months? B needs my help. Heidi needs my help. And Sasha... Uh, 
I'm not surprised Tony and John have pulled out. I'd call them to help me out, but I don't want John to hang up on me. Oh, if Venus was here. Oh. Okay. I've taken a moment to cool down and gain a bit of equilibrium. I'll summarize my position. I must find, and I guess, rescue Heidi. She's being held by B, the demon Margadiel. I definitely got the impression it was pretty important that I turn up tonight. Point two, B, I think, asked for help. I don't know if I can trust her. Who am I kidding? I can't trust her. She's been so damaged, she's like a coffee mug that had been dropped and then the pieces glued back together. I can make out the cracks, even if it still holds coffee. Um, where in this necklace? It looks like a cheap trinket you'd buy from a $2 shop, but it feels heavy. Much heavier than it should. I can't believe it is a cursed item. B is going to betray someone tonight, but I don't know if it will be me or the demon. I suspect this necklace is her way of placing bets in both directions. Last point, but quite significant, I know nothing about demons. Or rather, I know only what pop culture and a little research on dubious websites tells me. It may all be true, or none of it. So, that about sums it up. Here I am again, back to recording my thoughts before going off to meet my fate. It feels familiar, sort of circular. So what am I doing to get ready? Okay. Well, last time I had a plan organised by B, and last time she gave away our ambush and then walked out. I'm sure she's doing the same thing tonight. So what can I do to turn the tables? I've got my armour. That's been one of the best investments I've ever made. I've got my silver, iron and wood knife. I've got pepper spray, taser, batten, steel and silver knuckles, and some of that true sight potion left. I'm running pretty low on allies, though. I'm not sure that a holy symbol will work, but I've tucked a crucifix, a star of David, an Allah pendant, a Tory gate, and an eight-way path into my armour, just in case any of those have any significance. I think I probably have to actually have faith for them to work. But still, just one phone call to make, and then I'm off. Another hospital, another motorcycle helmet as excuse for my armour. It kind of looks like high-tech motorcycle, does Um, okay, I'm in corridor J. There's a bunch of open doors all the way down the hall. The first door is numbered 32, so 45 must be most of the way down the other end. The time is 7.58. I've got two minutes to kill, but visiting time is over at 8. So I'm going to hide in uh, room 38. Okay, so how do I prepare? How do I prepare for this? Man, what, what's going to be in that room at the end of the hall? I'm going to use my true sight potion.
Nothing odd about this room. Oh crap. What if this lets me see the true form of the demon? Was that a bad thing? I think it sounds like it should be. Do I have a soul? Is the demon going to try to steal it or something? I wonder if this is easier or harder for a religio. Okay, it's time to move. So glad you could make it. Beatrice Litchfield, you never fail to please. I wouldn't do anything silly just now. Huh? What? Laney? Heidi. I do trust you brought the books. Beatrice said she made you promise that you'd bring them. B? What? You did make a promise to me. You didn't break it, did you? No, of course not. Well, what choice did I have? Holy crap! Well? What's going on? Was I in an accident? Give it to her. Yeah, yeah, I promised. Here. You're gonna need this. A chain? You asked what I promised to bring, so you'll need this. Beatrice, is this your idea of a joke? You're going to find it very unfunny. And you, watch to see what happens to those who piss me off. Have mercy on my soul, for I am a penitent sinner. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Give me. Sasha, you made it. B, you, you okay? Heidi? What's going on? I'm so weak. It feels like a cat vomited in my mouth and then died. Heidi, are you okay? I can't believe you're okay. I, I love you. Well there, brother. Last I remember you were a major dickwad. And what happened to Laney? We all need to get out of here. Magardiel will be on her way. Here, I'll, I'll help you. B is out in the reception with Sasha. Heidi, oh, she's gone home. I'm still shaking from the adrenaline. Well, what was all that about? I'll try to recount what happened. I'm going to want to come back and listen to this again. So I went into the hospital room. Heidi was just stirring. She was lying in a bed with an IV in her arm. Oh, she looked weak and sallow, but I'm otherwise okay. B, with her straight blonde hair hanging flat and neat like she'd just finished brushing it, was standing on the other side of the bed. The door closed behind me and I only quickly glanced over my shoulder at that time. It was a short, dark-haired woman in a lab coat. A doctor, I assume. When I turned to look at her properly, oh, God, I saw my guardian in what I assume is her true form. It was like, it was like there was a superimposed image. I'll describe it as best I can before the image fades from memory. She... And I use that term only because B did. I've no other reason to assign gender, and I doubt demons have any. Well, she was tall. Her head almost touched the ceiling. She was maybe about two and a half metres. Massively muscled. Obscene, it looked. Probably around 400 kilos. Her skin was dark blood red with motley white patches. She had damp, snake-like hair that moved on its own, folded behind her with her obligatory large bat wings. Her hair seemed to run down the back and she had a snake for a tail, like an actual snake, not 
Not like one that looked like a snake. It looked at me in my eyes. She had one foot like a great cat and one foot like a goat. She wore no clothes and had no genitals, but she did have six nipples like like a cat or a dog. I can't imagine them being anything more than aesthetic, though. I mean, do, do demon babies suckle milk? I'm not surprised Tony didn't want to talk about it when he saw his nonna. Look, I gave her the necklace that B made me promise to bring. My guardian recognised it. I think it must have been the one she was originally trapped in. I don't know if it was just a necklace or if B's petition for forgiveness and affirmation of Jesus Christ, but my guardian screamed, lightning crackled all over her body. She lunged for me and knocked me back. She raised a clawed hand, ready to strike me down, when Sasha came to the rescue again and bashed her with a fire extinguisher on the back of her head. My guardian fell. Just the dark-haired doctor was left. She was breathing when we hurried out. Oh, I'm glad I didn't have to kill her. Sasha was late. I'd hoped to meet her before coming in, but she came through with the fire extinguisher again. That seems to be her go-to move. I'm just glad we have such strict fire safety laws. You faced a demon. You saw its true form and lived... You shouldn't be facing such things without any knowledge to back you up. I've been listening to season one again and keeping up to date with your current podcast releases. It makes it nice and easy to keep an eye on you. I think the Order lacks an appreciation for the full context of what you are doing. I can't promise anything, but I'm petitioning for assistance for you, or at least sanctuary. Stay strong and have faith. Let's listen back to the last episode. Mary added an entry. I guess my guy just added it to the end. And what else is he supposed to do? It is heartening to hear I've got so embarrassing for me in the Floriboris corner. If they could give me some fancy holy artifact like the holy hand grenade of Antioch, I'd be much obliged. I'm moving on from Mary's bombshell to the next gut-wrenching moment in my unfolding melodrama. Heidi. Uh, what can I say about that? I've taken some time to settle my mind and calm my emotions a little bit still. I was sure she was dead. Her family thought she was dead. The official story is yet to come out, but I mean, basically, she didn't die in the explosion and fire at the petrol station. She was whisked away to a private hospital where she was in a coma for months. B hasn't offered any explanation as to what happened or how she came to be involved. Look, I've got my suspicions. So, my thought is it goes a little like this. Margadiel, who clearly wants access to the books I had, essentially kidnapped Heidi in such a way that she wasn't reported as missing. That way, the demon could reveal her at the opportune moment. I still don't get what the deal with B was and why... Well, anything really. It all seems a bit like I'm still missing an important piece or two. B knew I had the books, and my guardian wanted the books and was using B to get them. Then why the misdirection with Heidi when it would have been pretty simple to just come around to my house and take the books? I had no defences, 
and not much of a clue around the real world. At the very least, I know B is playing her own game and using me and my guardian both. Heidi's gone home. She told me it was all too much and that she would get in touch again when everything wasn't so crazy. Uh, that pretty much means she isn't getting back in touch with me. There I go again, making things all about me. Look, she's messed up from seeing what happened at the hospital. Her family have left the country to recuperate. I don't blame them. I do feel a lot better knowing she's safe, even if she is a little damaged now. I didn't realise how much I was carrying until I saw her return to her parents. In a way, it is a bit like Jennifer McCormick being reunited with her parents. It's why I'm still exit plan security. Oh, what's left of it anyway? Sasha. Now I invited her to the hospital to lend me a hand. I was going to ask her to run distraction to keep hospital staff away from the room. Well, she's, well, she's brave and tough, though. Strong like an ape, too. Oh, that, that sounded bad. But, I, I mean, she isn't massive like John. I mean, he's strong like a bear or an ox or something. Sasha is, is narrow, lean, and looks more like a track and field athlete. Okay, I'll give up. I don't think I can dig myself out of that hole. If Sasha listens to this episode, I'm just going to assume she understands what I meant and knew that I meant it as a compliment. Uh, so she took the whole thing fairly well. I guess she's had more experience than Heidi and, well, maybe me. Like, I really like her. Ah, well, speak of the devil. Sasha has asked me out for dinner. We're going to this Indian vegan place near the bell tower in Perth. It's eat what you want, pay what you will, which is handy because until I get another job, my cash is finite. It's be a good chance to get to know her better. The last few outings have been a bit well, intense. There she is. Hey. What, hey, B? I wanted to thank you for keeping your promise. I know you didn't have any reason to. Beatrice. Oh. Hello, Sasha. What are you doing here? Seriously? I'm the one out of place? Pardon me, please. Was I interrupting something? Didn't mean to intrude. It's okay. What's up? I wanted the opportunity to thank you, of course, and to ask your forgiveness. It's a big ask, isn't it? Yes, but I would have told you about the necklace and what I was going to do if it wasn't for the fact Magargel may have sensed what was going on. Demons do that? Hold on. That's what you wanted to apologise for? What are you still doing here? Whoa. Whoa. Hold on, hold on. This isn't the time or place to be getting into any of this. You're right, of course. I also came to warn you. Mulgarja will want revenge and she will be hunting for me and for you. I thought Magadia was defeated at the hospital. Yeah, what was with all the lightning and the collapsing to the ground? Magadio, as a demon, cannot easily manifest in our reality. Possibly, demons can't at all, but they can and do possess people and things. Magadio has possessed many people and still possesses them. Not just one at a time? No, a demon is not a person. Not in an individual sense that we understand it. Demons are... Forces, collection of primal matter that exists in a transposed set of dimensions to our own. Probably the only way that can exist in our four dimensions is by possession, but 
not themselves bound by the constraints we are. They can possess many people at once by essentially dividing themselves into ever less powerful pieces. Ah, like a horcrux. Excuse me? I know what you mean. Now, Beatrice, if that is all you came for, you can return from whence you came. I don't need to take this from the likes of you. There's more. There is some force guarding the books you say Mary burns. It has worked to keep the books from me and from a guardian, but it allows you, for some reason, to have the books. I would be surprised if it was so simple for Mary to take and burn them. B. If you need some place to hide out, you can crash at the office. Here's the key. You can't be serious. B needs help. Thank you. B is asleep on the couch in reception. Sasha was not well pleased with her interruption before dinner. She wouldn't stop trying to warn me away like I needed a reminder of what B has done. But that's the thing. I don't really know what she has done or why. On the surface, it looks bad. It looks like she set me up with Shilpa so I'd be killed. But I wasn't. She also kidnapped Heidi to use as leverage against me for some reason. But then again, did she kidnap her or rescue her from the explosion and keep her alive when Margadiel probably wanted her dead? She did betray Margadiel at the hospital, so I'm not sure. I don't think she has my best interest at heart, but then I don't think she is well, evil. I don't believe in evil. At least not in humans. Demons might be different if there's some kind of primal force. The world, natural or supernatural, is a complex place. I should stop trying to impose my rules on it and just accept the universe as the universe. Nah, that's not the human way, is it? So, what do we do with B? If she hangs around, I think Sasha will, well, will not hang around. I don't even know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I... I I like Sasha. She's very cool, but B is... Ah, oh, man, what is this? Some sort of teen drama? I make myself sick sometimes. Hmm? Is that B? Oh, anyway, I think I should be thinking about what to do about an avenging demon and a mystery force that protects the books. The burnt books. I'll just add those two to the growing list of things in my life I have no power over and no clue about. Some good news... Tony has been released from hospital. I should go visit him and John to see how they're doing. I could do with some time with my old friends. Oh, I try hard to keep it together. If you've listened to this, you have some idea of the crap I've been through. The sad thing is, there are people out there who have it worse. And right now, I don't care. It seems I can't get a break. One step forward and two back. Nah, that's not right. I'm ahead of where I was six months ago. So maybe two forward and only one back. It just seems the further down this rabbit hole I go, the darker it gets. Which makes sense if you think of it, really. It's not like rabbits use light strips in their warrens. But, in all seriousness, I don't see how things get better from here. Does that mean I haven't hit rock bottom yet? From the very bottom you can only see up, or so they say. No, so I say. 
I'm sitting by myself again in the exit plan security office. Won't be exit plan for long. One way or another, it's finally closing its doors. That's a real shame because there are just so many people I can still help. So much. So much help I can... Oh, whatever. I went to see Tony and John to see how they were doing. Wow, it's fancy around here. I'm not surprised our kick is so pricey to buy into. There are grey huge gum trees everywhere. on old ones. The lots are big and the houses, or even the original houses, are big and well adorned. When you walk through the common burbs, all the houses have flat, sort of boxy look to them. Some of the houses here look similar, but they seem to pull out an ironic twist. I think part of it is the quality of the window frames. In the cheap seats, the window frames tend to be skinny, sort of modular extruded aluminium things. Now they look too skinny to get away with being fashionable industrial. Here, even the aluminium frames, the others are timber, are wide and styled with a trimmed finish. Ah look, there's Tony's car, a red alpha. Hey, John. Hi. Come in. I heard Tony was back, so I thought I'd come visit. Hi. Just leave the chocolates and champagne on the table beside my sick bed. I didn't bring... Ah, oh, of course. How have things been? A mixed bag. I found B and Heidi. Is she okay? Heidi, I mean. I take it from the way you called her B, that you didn't rip Beatrice a new one? Uh, it's never that easy. I saw my guardian. That's the name of the demon that's been dominating B's life. She is possessing a doctor at a hospital and B helped me banish her. Well, that part of her anyway. That part? I'll fill you in later if you really want, but I figured you were still taking some time out. Actually, about that... About that? We're leaving Perth for a while. We bought a caravan and we're hitting the road. And you aren't coming back to exit plan, are you? Well... No. It's going to end bad. It was good. And we really liked that we were helping people. But the price is too high. <sighs> well, I can't say you're wrong. The things I've been through these last couple of weeks, but... It's what I need to do. It's my purpose now, I think. I'll probably come to a grisly end, but stuff it. Before exit plan, I wasn't on a trajectory for success either. At least, this way I go down fighting. I'm not saying we won't help if we can, but I am saying we're not going up against a demon and whatever else. Well, then tell me about your trip. I kind of wish I was in their position. They've got each other and Tony's already put in the hard work to establish a running business that keeps the money coming in. I've got a schizo blonde crashing on my office couch and, and rapidly dwindling savings. I'll lose my house if I don't get some cash soon. Oh, don't worry. I was at the wrong end there. B has gone and I don't have to worry about my savings. When I got back to the office, I found a note on my desk. I could see from the handwriting it was from B. 
She has an oddly clumsy hand. She basically writes like a child. I wonder how literate she really is. Considering how sophisticated and educated she seems, it's a bit surprising. Oh, here, I'll read the note. I can't... <laughs> I'm going to try her voice. I can't stay here. No, okay, that's just embarrassing. I can't stay here. Something has been searching around nearby, and I don't want it to find me or you. I'm sorry for how things have turned out, but things are going to get more complicated before they get simpler. So, I apologize in advance for that. I'll be keeping an eye on you. I still need those books. Watch out. Signed, Beatrice. I don't really know what to make of that. Was she warning me at the end out of concern? Or was she threatening me? I'll be keeping an eye on you. I still need those books. Watch out. Anyway, that's just the icing. Now for the cherry on the cake of my day. I can't access my bank accounts. Sure enough, I've got an email from the ATO. That's the Australian tax office for those listening overseas. Due to irregularities detected, I'm under an audit. And for the duration, all my assets have been frozen. So the good news is, I can't lose my house. The bad news is, I can't access any of my money. I checked. I was pretty sure they'd allow some spending money, but in this case, I've got nothing. I don't know what irregularities could have been detected. Perhaps it's my guardian, or perhaps it's the order of the blooming tree. Although in any case, I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. It was probably wise that B ran off, and I should do the same. Now, perhaps John and Tony could smuggle me out in their caravan. <laughs> Done a drive by my house before I parked. I don't know if there'd be someone or something waiting for me. Maybe ASIO agents or a team of thralls, but yeah, nothing. Or at least none I can see, so I'm recording as I go in. Ah, oh, there's a package at my door. It's hidden from the street. It's. Would you look at that? It's a box with a blooming tree on it. Maybe it's a gift from Mary. Looks like the same packaging the books came in when I first thought I'd lost them. I still don't know who delivered that. I can't see anyone watching me, but that doesn't mean much. I'll take it in, and we'll have an unboxing. Okay, I've got the box open. Yep. My five books. I'm not surprised anymore. Seems I can't get rid of them. Mary said she'd burnt them. Did she lie or change her mind? Oh, oh, hey. There's a note here. No, not just a note. A credit card. It's got my name on it. But it's for Bank d'Italia. The note says, I love your podcast. That seems pretty straightforward. What's next? I suspect I'll have to find somewhere else to live. Seems someone with a bit of power wants me to suffer. (laughs) 
So I sat there reading through my books. This time, I took photos of every page of the Esoterica of Floriborologist book. That took all night. Later today, or tonight, I'll photograph my book of recipes. I still can't make sense of most of it, but so far I've found the antidote to ghoul venom, or any paralytic poison, I think, and the potion of true sight, but there's still so much more if I could understand what it meant. Actually, I wonder if reading it while under the influence of the true sight potion would help. I need to take copies of all the books. The Great Journey is a trippy book, as seems to talk mostly in nonsense, but there's something in there that means something. Ah, oh, yeah, so here's the message Mary left me. I was going to burn the books. I had a bottle of methylated spirits and a match, all ready, but something made me pause. I listened back to your journals and the first season of your podcast, and I wasn't convinced that destroying the books was the right thing just then. I certainly do believe the knowledge in those books is too dangerous and too precious to be distributed or allowed to fall into the hands of someone like Beatrice or her demon. Presently, I listened to your most recent posting, yet to be edited and released. You confronted Margardiel and survived intact. That is not something you should get used to. The good news is it means she has spread herself thin with little power in any one vessel. The bad news is that it means she spread her influence far and will use that influence to take her revenge on you. She wants those books. Demons don't have any more arcane knowledge than what they manage to learn in our mortal realm. They have innate power but do not possess the keys to the universe. If she were to use a binding to bind an elemental, you had better believe she will bind a powerful one. I gave you a credit card because I think you're going to need some money. It only has a few thousand dollars on it, so don't go thinking you've got the wealth of the Vatican at your call. I had to put myself in a very vulnerable position to get that to you, so don't disappoint me. Don't be a sitting target. Margariel will have influence in places of authority, both legal and illegal, so make yourself scarce. Tony and John are roaming the desert. Heidi and her parents have shipped off to Europe to visit with family after her miraculous return, and even Bee has vanished herself. I'm just sitting in my jocks in the heat scratching my balls. Going to, I don't know, going to maybe get a hotel room or something. I, I'm not literally sitting in my jocks scratching anything, okay? That's just a saying. Calm down. I tried to contact Sasha, but she isn't answering her phone. I left her messages, but so far nothing. I guess people get busy. I have trouble believing that. I'm off now to check out the office, close it up and pick up what stuff I've left there. Especially the quasi-legal stuff. Oh, I've got so many things to do. I have to clean out the office, I have farm there as final paperwork, Lodge notice that exit plan is closing down, and... Ah, oh, what the hell? You have got to be kidding. <sighs> okay, just regulate and release. I'm here now, I'm present. Keep it cool. There is a notice on my door. 
over whether I like it or not. It felt like my head was spinning and the words Mary spoke were just confetti in the wind. I need an exit plan. Thank you for listening. Season 2 Binge Episode 3 will be available next week. This is my exit plan. Book 1 of Exit Plan is now available on Amazon. If you would like to help support the production of this and future works, please consider buying a copy or recommending it to a friend. Thank you to Hem Cleveland as Beatrice, Carly Nichols as Mary, David Kinsman as Tony, Mark Regan as John. To keep up to date, follow at Gravity Undone on Twitter or Facebook and consider checking out our new podcast, My Creativity, a podcast about creativity and being productive.